Hi everyone, this is Tracy Malone from NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. Today we are going to talk with Stacy Brookman, who is an expert on the imposter syndrome. And many victims of narcissistic abuse have been beaten down so much that they don't know who they are. They don't feel confident that they can do things. And when they go out and get a job or, um, you know, anything, this imposter syndrome is I'm not good enough and the messaging that we hear. So Stacey is going to explain to us what imposter syndrome is and how we sort of, you know, kind of change our brain so that we are not allowing that to rule our life. So without any further ado, let's go welcome Stacy. Welcome Stacy. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh my gosh, Tracy, we go a long ways back. I am always pleased to connect with you and, and share some wisdom. And I am happy that you are here. And we are going to talk about um, what is imposter syndrome and how it affects victims of narcissistic abuse. Yes. Um, before we get started, can you just tell my audience a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I am a resilience and leadership coach for women, and I help them get out of imposter syndrome because even when you reach like higher levels in business or, you know, start your own business, that imposter syndrome still creeps in. Like I was in corporate for 30 years and climbing the corporate ladder and getting like really high and I still had it. So I'm like, no, I want to give a shortcut so nobody else has to experience this. So that's what I do. Thank you. And, and I think everybody experiences this at some point mm -hmm. in their life. I mean, it's almost a natural thing. If, if you know, yes. I look at my 28-year-old son going out into the working force, mm -hmm. he's like, I don't know this yet. And I'm like, but the word is yet. And, you know, so right. it was hard for him to step into being a professional without that feeling. But I know it, it, it manifests in all kinds of ways in our body. So let's talk about what is imposter syndrome, and then we'll take it from who might, you know, and what it might look like. Yes, yes. Well, like you mentioned, so many people experience it. In fact, this is like executive women, but 87% of executive women have experienced it. And I would say women in general experience it more than men, no matter what role they're in. And so imposter syndrome is really that feeling that you are not enough, that you don't deserve the role that you're in, or you don't deserve to speak up and share your voice. That's why a lot of um, people like don't speak out about things that have uh, gone wrong or um, wrongs that have been done to them. And you just feel like an imposter, right? And so it's almost like, I think I characterized it somewhere the other day. I was like, it's almost like I, like for me, I snuck in the side door and nobody really knows I'm here and I really shouldn't be here. Almost like a wedding crasher or something like that. Like I've crashed in on this thing. It's really great, but I really am not supposed to be here. And even when you completely deserve to be in whatever room or role or uh, position that you're in, it's it still creeps up. I, I know the feeling well, because I think I, as, as a daughter of a narcissistic mother and then being with a whole string yes. of them, you lose your identity, you lose your self-worth. Mm. And you know, I've been doing this narcissist thing for about seven years. And just this year, I was invited to um, Utah to be interviewed by Robert Redford's daughter, Amy okay. Redford, for a big series that's going to come out on narcissism. And that was the day I most felt like an imposter. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I'm kind of like in Hollywood and 
<laughs> creepy and you know and what will I say I mean I don't think I slept for a week because mm -hmm. you're so nervous about you know being in the shoes if you don't believe that you deserve it and have right. earned it exactly yeah. exactly yeah so it's unnecessary though Absolutely. And you know what? I, I rocked it, but it was still, it was still the nervousness of a new place. And that's why I was trying to explain right. to people like in this place, you might be safe and comfortable, the whatever job you're is, whatever your, your life is, but yes. you take one step to the left or to the right. And you're like, wait, you, you want me to now run that department? I don't, you know, but you've really known it forever. So it's just mm -hmm. about getting confidence, I'm sure, to, to know that you can do this. But yeah. I read something this week that was that even Albert Einstein and Maya Angelou also thought that they were imposters. Oh, can you believe that? Can you imagine Albert Einstein, Maya Angelou? I know. No way. But yeah, I believe it. I because especially you know when you get that high people are like stopping you in the streets and you know you just want to go and get a cup of coffee and it's just like mm -hmm. that's that person this is me you know and it, and it right and definitely sort of like if someone is in a career and they speak on stage then they're used to having the stage but someone who isn't suddenly thrust into the limelight would bring the lights on you before you were ready and you're like wait right. don't open the curtains i'm not ready yet right exactly exactly so yeah. anyone can do this what kind of you, you said you work with women mm -hmm. uh, and and it's mostly women that you see that that have this mostly women but actually i've coached several men and so because imposter syndrome like it, it it's all income levels all sexes all it does not matter what role that imposter syndrome can overtake you whenever you do something new and even when you're doing something familiar and you know like you're an expert at it you know how to do it and you it still comes on and it's just um, a matter of um, not feeling like you deserve it or that you're good enough for that like somebody's made a mistake like i shouldn't be here that's it's like yeah. a perpetual feeling of incompetence and self-doubt that, yes. you know, if I take one more step, I don't know where I'm going. I'm walking on the moon. I don't know what right. I'm supposed to do here. Right. But it's yeah. also a part of unworthiness. Mm -hmm. as you said. So it's, I don't belong here. I don't, you know, I'm doing this and, and you feel like you are just faking it till you make it. But I'm pretty sure yeah. that's like, you know, should be above every college. You're not going to know when you start your first job, you're going to fake it till you make it. Right. You know, yeah. you'll have the skills they'll help you with them and, and move on from there. But with narcissistic victims, you and I both know the the you know, hit to their emotional uh, resilience, mm -hmm. to their self-worth, to their self-esteem. Right. Does this, um, you know, can you see it affecting victims a little bit more often? Oh, absolutely. And most people who are victims have been trained to be a narcissist. Uh, in imposter syndrome, right? Always like you and gaslit, you're not enough, right? We're always like that is beaten into us mm -hmm. um, mentally, emotionally. And so it's like, yeah, you're never enough because the, the game changes right. hourly, right? Mm -hmm. And you never know what is the right thing to do or how to react. And so naturally imposter syndrome develops and it, it develops even like you said with the narcissistic parents and you bring that into adulthood and then you you know come across like all kinds of people who are more than willing to take advantage of your imposter syndrome yeah. so 
Yeah. And is it something that you get? Like, like you got a cold or is it something that is just a base of feelings inside? What, what how do we define, like, how does someone, I'm not saying the word, get it. Cause it's not like you can catch right, it. Right. Right. But it is sort of, how does this manifest in people? Is that a better word? Yeah. I, I love that you asked that question. Cause it goes into what one of the strategies are that, that probably primarily strategy that, um, that I help people help get out of it, but it's that feeling in your body. So even all of our emotions are simply just emo- but feelings in your body. And maybe you're, if you're cut off from your emotions, you might not think you feel it, but it's like, it's that throat closing or that, mm-hmm. that tightened chest or that heaviness in the pit of your stomach. So mm-hmm. it's really simply an emotion or feeling in your body and therefore not anything to be afraid of, right? So imposter syndrome, it can't like, can a feeling do anything to you? Absolutely not. It cannot. But what you, it can do is cause your brain to think something that is not necessarily going to serve you well. And that's exactly what it does. Right. And it's bringing back old recordings, right? In in, yes. in dark world, it's you were told you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You'll never be. Right. Um, and when you're told those things, you know, and you step onto a stage, whatever the, I'm not saying a literal stage, but you're stepping out in, into something mm-hmm. that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Recordings come flying back at you. No, you're not good enough. And you've got your little voices on your shoulder telling you that's not, you know, you, yeah, good try. Yeah. Exactly. Sabotaging yourself in many ways. Yeah. And I I like that you characterize that because what really happens too is we have the amygdala, right? The the one that's trying to keep us safe. And it is always looking to the past to know what to do, what to tell you what to do, right? And so that thing is like, hey, you need to stay in the cave. Have you ever done this before and been wildly successful? Nope. Then you need, it's going to, it's danger. You're going to get killed if you step out of this cave that I've, I'm trying to keep you safe. And I think the good thing is to know that what that amygdala is doing when it's trying to keep you in the cave is it's trying to protect you, right? right? It thinks doing something new. It thinks saying, you know, how good I've done at something and and being proud of yourself or whatever, and being, uh, understand that you're fully deserving of whatever that, that raise that thinks that you are going to be hurt by that. And so therefore it's controlling you saying, nope, stay in the, stay in the cave. But we do have the prefrontal cortex that can think differently, think about the future, not the past, and what is possible for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that is the beautiful thing. And so that I love helping people leverage that prefrontal cortex, but also being compassionate for what's gone in the past and what your brain is like, yeah, I get it. You're just trying to protect me. Thank you. But you know what? I'm going to I'm going to say, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to speak out anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what all survivors need to hear. But, um, you know, when I, when I look at the, the side effects, if you would, of of narcissistic abuse, um, many victims are people pleasers, Mm -hmm. perfectionists. And what happens is we become those things to 
as a coping strategy to the fact that we're being abused so we kind of morph into that but when we have perfectionism you just make one little mistake and you know your entire world could fall apart you know and and no one else knows or cares but it is internal where that perfectionism means you're not right you're not perfect and it just is there a tie to this imposter syndrome with perfectionism and people pleasing yeah absolutely so I I look at imposter syndrome as the overarching stance and it shows up in a number of ways. And one of those ways is in people pleasing. It shows up in perfectionism, but you know what? It also, and a lot of people do this and they don't realize it's imposter syndrome. It also shows up in overwork and being overwhelmed. So imposter syndrome has a lot of tentacles and it's all around. I'm trying to, make sure that other people know I'm somebody, I'm something that I really myself don't think I am. Right. Yeah. So how does someone fix this? I mean, it's just getting up and going, I'm going to get on the stage. I'll take that job. I don't think I'm qualified for. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a long distance between that both of those. Um, But it's when you're, when it's all about, the desire to keep our image or our persona at a certain level for other people. So what we're doing is we're trying to keep people happy with us. Right. And I've struggled with these in my life. I'm like, it all relates to trying to control how you want to be perceived by other people. Now this might be really interesting for most people are like, wait a minute, I'm trying to control, But yes, you are. So when you do um, people pleasing actions, right? I'm going to, I want to try to like make the best dinner or I want to, you know, overwork at work or um, I want to like do every little last like triple, quadruple, 10 times check that report I got to turn in, that perfectionism. You're really trying to make sure that that person, that you're looking at wants to knows that you are a good person. You want to be perceived was, and it's not bad to be perceived as a good person, but here's the thing. We can't actually control anybody else in the world. Mm -hmm. Zero. We have zero control. So we are human beings. They are human beings. They are more than happy to believe or think whatever they want about us. And when you understand that, you're like, okay, I get it. You know, my, my brain is trying to solve for avoiding this negative emotion of somebody not liking me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and, but what you, you got to understand is like, people have every right to not like us. It's okay. We're humans. Mm-hmm. They have different perceptions of, um, for instance, let's say cleaning house than I have. And if they're not happy, that's their problem, right? That's their emotion. They're allowed to have their emotions. It's like we're allowed to have our emotions. So you have to first be kind to yourself and say, I have, I have the right to feel however I want. Mm-hmm. But just know that so does everybody else. So does that narcissist. So does that boss. So does your friend, right? And so what we try to do is say... I call them, we have manuals and we have really thick manuals that we say, here's what you need to do to make me happy. You need to praise me when I turn in this report. 
you friend need to call me on my birthday. You need to do this. And all of these manuals are like we have, here's how you need to act to make me feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. And really what you need to do is feel just, you feel good. You're the person that needs to feel good about yourself. And so, and guess what? Everybody else has manuals for us. You need, if you're going to be a good wife, you need to cook dinner and be it perfect and yada, yada, yada. And that's like, that's your manual, dude. (laughs) Ooh, I gave that manual up for lit. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So just drop the manuals and know that other people are going to act however they're going to act. You can't actually control your persona, your perception with anybody. So you just have to know, I love who I am and I am happy with who I am and then recognize that. Right. And also when you're, when we, we started at this last little bit here was, you know, you're putting together this presentation for everyone to like you, right? Yes. Instead of that, put together the presentation to go, this is my very best work and I'm proud. Yes. That's how you get that feeling of this exactly. is worth it. And I, I know I've put my heart into it because if you do a, a crummy job, you'll know it. And mm-hmm. then you're gonna throw that to your boss and go, Hey, don't you like it? Don't you like it? I'm where you you know, and it's, right. it, it's, it's only going to hurt you. So it, by putting your best foot forward, that's what you're controlling, right? Yeah. More than you are controlling anybody else's impression of you, but yeah. there's fears involved. How does someone deal with the fears that come? Yeah. So it, it all begins. So this is all in the brain, right? And I'm a, like a, a nerd about how your behavior is affected by your brain, right? That's the controlling part of this. So what I do is I teach people, I take them through this process where they recognize what feeling they're feeling right? Just recognize like, is it, is it fear? Is it really shame? Is it inadequacy? Is it what exactly is it? Just name that and feel it and acknowledge it. Because I will tell you, there's nobody that's hundred percent perfect out there. Nobody who is like, everybody makes mistakes. That just means you are human. You're a human being. Even if you make 10 mistakes in a row, I'll tell you one time, I was making a coffee cake and I, instead of getting the cinnamon, I got the chicken seasoning and I made it with that. And you know, it has a lot of cinnamon in it, a coffee cake. So it was terrible. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it again. I did the exact same thing again. I, well, I made a whole coffee cake and then I finally, the third time made a good coffee cake. And you know what? It's just human. It's okay. If you make a mistake. So, um, that's the, that's the first thing is to, is to, um, find out what exactly name it. It's just one feeling, right? Let's just narrow it down to one. You might be feeling a lot of things, but narrow it down to one that is the primary thing. Then you ask yourself, what is the thought that's driving that feeling? Because our thoughts in our head drive every feeling that we have. Mm -hmm. And is it, man, I'm going to, I screwed up one more time. Oh my gosh. Or, um, this sucks. I am, I'm not, I'm never good enough. I'm never going to be good enough or whatever that nasty thought is. And I'm like that, that mean girl in your head is that amygdala and saying, stay in the cave. It's trying to say, don't, don't go out. Don't do other things. This is too scary. Mm -hmm. And so, and also trying to control other people. 
other people's opinions of you. So just identify that thought. And then you can say, hmm, is that thought really true? Like I can never do anything right. That was one of the things that I used to think. I can never do anything right. Is that really true? Not really. I could screw up the coffee cake 10 times. And it's still, I've done some things right, mm-hmm. right? So I made the rest of the recipe right. I, <laughs> I got all the other ingredients. <laughs> we just threw out the poultry seasoning. and Yeah, it- exactly. <laughs> uh, so it's just like, and, and that translates to every area of your life. So once you recognize the feeling and then go back up and think, okay, what is the thought that's driving that feeling? I'm having a thought that is causing that. And then recognizing and just write it out in black and white. What exactly is that thought? And is it really true? Right? And even if it is true, like maybe let's say I don't really deserve the job. Mm -hmm. Probably not true. But let's just say you really think it is true. So what? Right? If you really don't deserve that job, if you really feel like you don't deserve that job, or let's say... Um, in a court of law, everybody would say, nope, she doesn't deserve the job. Is that thought serving you well, mm-hmm. right? Is that going to help you? So the next thing about that is once you have that thought that causes the feeling, you look at the actions that you do. So from the feeling of, let's say, shame, the thought that I've never, um, I never do anything right. I feel shame from the feeling of shame. What are your actions? I hide. I don't speak up. When I was in corporate, I would um, let everybody else go around the room and share their opinions. And then I would share something that related to somebody else's, right? I would never share something that was original. Although I had tons of original, I'm like the, like brainstorming is my superpower. (laughs) And I had tons of ideas, but I would always, I would wait. Right. And so, um, what actions, like maybe you sit and mope, maybe you ruminate about all the mistakes that you've made. All these actions are driven by that feeling of shame or whatever feeling that you're feeling. And then look at the results. The results are you never approve of yourself. You're always in that circle of I'm never good enough. I can't do anything right. I like, right. And so, and maybe the, some of the actions is I, I work until 11 o'clock at night on this report because I want it to be perfect. So once you recognize that, the mm-hmm. beautiful thing is you are in charge of your thoughts. So yes, that in the cave, amygdala is feeding you these thoughts and you can say, okay, I get it. I see those thoughts. I recognize what those are, but I'm going to move forward anyway. I'm going to praise myself anyway. And you can think a different thought. Now this is different from a mantra or something like that. So if you say, I'm the best supervisor they ever had and you don't believe it, that that's not going to do anything for that shame. Mm-hmm. Not a single thing because you're just trying to tell yourself and, it, and you don't believe it. Mm-hmm. So I always think there's, there's uh, in terms of thought ladders. Mm-hmm. So I can never do anything right. What is just 10% better? than that I don't always screw up (laughs) right what I don't always screw up I don't always screw up that's 10% better right Mm -hmm. and then 10 like think about think through that like several days right maybe even a week if you need to 
and just keep it like on a little sticky note and then think what's 10% better than once you believe that I don't always screw up and you're in your, in your heart and your brain, then you can say, what's 10% better than that. Hmm. It's possible that I can do some things right. And then spend some days with that. Then you can ladder yourself up to, I'm an amazing human being. I love what I do. I love how I show up in the world. Yes, I'm human. Yes, I make mistakes. And that's okay. And so that's how you ladder up to become, to get rid of that imposter syndrome. Because you're thinking those thoughts and you're believing your own thoughts. And you know that, yep, those other thoughts, they're always going to be there. They're long for the ride. As long as they're not driving in the driver's seat and you're driving the bus, you're like, okay, yep, but sit in the back. Doubt, self-doubt or self-condemnation or whatever, just sit in the back. And I will tell you, it doesn't matter if it like this comes from your childhood or some trauma or whatever it is. I know that's where mine originated and being with a narcissist slash sociopath for a long time, like a lot of it just added onto that, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter because right now you are in charge of your thoughts right now. And this is how you get to get out of that imposter syndrome and move on. Yeah. I love everything that you say. Um, I, was definitely because of my narcissistic abuse. I wouldn't say I was OCD, but I was a perfectionist. Like yes. I, I would set the dining room table for Christmas in November. I'm like, no, everything has to be perfect. And then the first flowers yes. go there. You know, I was just like, uh, I was obsessed with the look and the feel because I mm -hmm. like it. It's not that I was trying to impress people. It's just how I grew up, and I like to feel that way. Right. But I had to learn to embrace imperfection. Mm -hmm. you know, I had to burn a couple roasts and go, well, you know, you do know how to cook, but this one's a little overcooked. Right. I, I get things like I have this beautiful dining room table and someone dropped a knife and put a big dent in it and I embrace it. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? I don't care if I mm -hmm. had to worry about, oh, I would have hired the, the furniture guy to come and fix that fix and you'd never know it. Right. Right. I, even like I walk down the street and I don't tie my boots and my friends are like, why don't you do it? And I'm just like, that's what I like. I, yeah. uh, you know, this is not your perfect. This is right. accepting exactly where you are in sports and all. And when you start to realize I'm allowed to screw up mm -hmm. and the yeah. imposter syndrome is, Hey, I might not be able to do this, but I'm going to freaking try exactly. because I believe I can. And yeah. if I fall and fail, I'll learn something from it, but mm. I'm going to get up like a fighter and fight again. Yeah. And that's how I envision taking on this imposter syndrome is, you know what, there are going to be people and people need to understand this. You know, when you've been with a narcissist, your brain is warped and you've just sort of got this mm -hmm. tall vision for narcs, but you know, there are going to be people that don't like you. There are going to be That's people, okay. that, no matter what yeah. you do, if you put the most perfect report together, it's probably out of jealousy. They're not going to like you. Right. So instead of going, I want everyone to like me. And if they don't, I'm wounded. And I go back into my self, you know, doubt and everything else go. Yeah. yeah most of the people liked it. Oh, well, yeah. you know, it's yeah. it becomes, or even if nobody does, right. That's okay. I'll change it or, you know, whatever, what, what would you like to see? And I can change it up exactly. perfectly fine.
What it, uh, that reminds me when you were talking about walking down the street, one of the things that I had to do, and, and this might be helpful as well, is acknowledge that it's safe to feel good about myself mm -hmm. and just kind of tell myself, you know, it's, it's safe mm -hmm. to show up. So even as I was starting my business and I'm like, who am I to coach, right? Who am I to, <laughs> to do some of these things? Who am I to share wisdom with somebody? And mm -hmm. you know what? I I'm like, it's, it's that fear. It's the imposter syndrome. It's the thoughts. And then I had just had to acknowledge, you know what? It's safe to do this. I'm okay. It's safe to think that I like myself. It's safe to think that I'm a great presenter. It's safe to think that I can do these things. So that might help you with your latter mm -hmm. thoughts. It's right. safe to think mm -hmm. this and whatever you want to think. What is that 10% better? Yeah. And that's, I, I even still, because there's still some of that, it keeps kind of creeping in sometimes and I just have to keep telling it, I get it, but you know what? I'm safe. Even mm -hmm. if I want to show up in the world and I am worthy, right. it's, it's safe to feel like, like I'm worthy. It's totally safe. And, and I want people to know too, that again, this is not like we walk down the street every single day with this, you know, do they know I only have, you know, mowed my lawn this week. You know, you're not walking down the street, like, with dialogues in your head of people judging you right mm -hmm. but it is at times where this will come back is where i'm trying something new i'm trying something out of my box i'm you know not comfortable with the new position because i don't know it yet but right. instead of going oh i'm so afraid of the new position being like i don't know it yet but i'm looking so forward to yeah. learning about it and i'm going to do the best job i can i'll put all my energy into it and that's how I will ease my fears about my worthiness of being able to be in that position. Yeah, exactly. I remember so many times going into a position and feeling like I had to know it, like I got the position, so I had to know it and therefore didn't ask questions on how to do it well. And it came out later, like beyond the time when I really should have known it well, that I didn't know it well. I'm like, oh. And, and so that, that was part of it. I don't think I even learned from that, but I, you know, cause all of this I've learned later in life after my corporate career, I'm like, gosh, I wish I, I had this back then because I wouldn't have put up that front and said, you know, thought that I should know everything from day one or day 90 or the first year, right? It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions of the people who are maybe below you even. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, and it's safe. And you know, the thing of it is like our brain too often hides these thoughts from us. Mm -hmm. And so I always tell people do a daily download of what am I thinking about my job? What am I thinking about who I am in the world? What am I thinking? And just do a, like a five minute, 10 minute, a brainstorm of what your thoughts are because your brain is going to feed you these secretly and you're not even going to know you're going to feel yucky or you're going to feel like uh I don't want to go do that but it's because of the imposter syndrome if you if you uh do this thought download every day mm -hmm. and then work that model okay what is that thought take one of those thoughts what is that the feeling that, that thought causes when i feel that feeling what do i do or not do and what is the result of that? And is that 
what I want. Mm -hmm. If not, let me change that. Yeah, exactly. Did we miss anything? This has been a great talk so far. Is there anything else that I missed that we should include and make sure people know? I don't think so. Uh, The only thing is if people want to do that model to help them, I have, um, it's at realliferesilience.com slash remarkable resilience. That will teach you how to do that model on the thoughts that you are thinking. Mm -hmm. So when you recognize them and you kind of see exactly, hmm, that's exactly what that's doing. Then you can, like my Angelo says, once you know better, then you can do better. So once you know better, once you see that and you're like, ah, I get it. Yes, that's my brain. I understand. Thank you, brain, for trying to keep me safe. But I'm going to still do this or I'm going to still feel good about myself. I'm still going to turn in this report, even though I haven't checked it for the third time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and get it done. So the most important thing is recognizing those thoughts because those thoughts, you are in control of new thoughts mm-hmm. and it, uh, the thoughts drive everything that you feel and do. Very helpful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Stacy. I will put the link to what you just talked about below. So anybody who is sitting here listening, uh, whether you're on a podcast or on YouTube, uh, we'll put that in the show notes so that they can find and have access to that cool tool that you've got. Yes. Thank you. I hope that you guys enjoyed that. I love Stacy. She's a dear friend and always so informative and so, so helpful. So uh, we will put the link down below to her um, worksheet that she was just talking about. And you can find more information about her in the links down below in the show notes. Again, if you are listening on YouTube and you haven't liked or subscribed to my channel, please do. It helps us get seen by more people and that helps more survivors. So a simple, you know, liked it and we might end up like getting to more people. So thank you so much for um, listening to this interview and we will have a lot more like it. If you need more information on narcissistic abuse, please visit my website, NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. We have thousands of resources. We have free eBooks. Well, you could buy them on Amazon or you can get them for free on my site. Um, There's so much there that um, it's going to help you get through this. So thanks for listening about imposter syndrome and I'll see you again soon.